Uh, they gave me a sword. They gave him a spear. They said, fight. They didn't give us choreography. They didn't do anything of that sort. Uh, they, and when the director yelled cut, having been an actor, director says, cut, you, you stop. Uh, he was a fighter. And, you know, as you know, uh, the bell rings, you still swing, you know, like you wait for the referee to pull you apart, you know. Um, and I ended up uh, kind of put this up there right there on my middle finger knuckle. You can kind of see that scar there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't stop. That was from his spear. It almost severed my finger. Welcome back to the Sign of Good Health podcast. Today we're talking with Lee Fillingus. He is an actor, martial artist, and all-around Viking beefcake. <laughs> so, um, Lee, you wanna... I'll accept that description. That, that, <laughs> works, that works for me. <laughs> Lee, do you want to tell us um, a little bit about your martial arts background and then we'll go into your film background? Uh, yeah, I've been doing this um, since uh, 1984. Uh, so, uh, 37 years. Jeez, I, I shouldn't be that old, but somehow I am. Um, I was in a unique position. Um, as you know, I'm a very large person, and I started being much larger than my uh, classmates at a very young age. So um, starting at about 10, they started training me in the adult classes instead of the kids. And starting at 14, I actually started fighting in the adult divisions instead of the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, various um, karate, judo, and um, taekwondo. Um, and uh, because it was not fair for, because at 14, I was about 6'4", 240. It wasn't fair for me to fight boys, but it also is not for, fair for a 14-year-old of any size to fight men. Um, so I had, uh, one of my first matches was against a Marine, and he thoroughly kicked my butt and then realized that I was a kid. And he kind of walked over, gave me a little tough love. He said, hey, if you want to keep doing this, you got to start taking it seriously. Um, and fortunately, in a moment of uh, wisdom, I actually took the advice instead of acting like a kid and started training with um, better and better people. Um, trained uh, in Muay Thai with uh, Steve Iverson. Taught me how to hit really hard and also how to get hit really hard because that's the other side of uh, Muay Thai. You will get hit. Um, was very lucky to have a brief opportunity to train with uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace. Uh, and if you ever see me kick, you will see that I stole everything I know from him. Uh, man was a genius. Um, and I was actually teaching somebody some of his um, inside techniques the other day. Um, Cross-trained in a whole bunch of uh, martial arts, uh, Eastern and Western. Uh, fought for the University of Iowa in two different martial arts for three years. Uh, I have two uh, national championship medals, one gold, one bronze. Uh, for one art, um, I have... Uh, two U.S. Open Championships, medals in another, and actually went to the uh, World Championships. Uh, and that was in uh, Kumdo, kind of the sister art to Kendo. Um, in there, I also was able to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under uh, Pedrino Severo, who's par part of the Carlos Enrique family. Uh, was able to do um, some Judo with um, Vitek Andrich, uh, did some traditional karate uh, with Dale Parker, um, was able to do um, Asian Ryu Aido, Aikido, um, Lately, I've been kind of training when I can in uh, HEMA, Historical European Martial Arts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually been able to train with um, uh, Paul McDonald out of Edinburgh. And, uh, you know, that's been quite the experience. You know, uh, he is the world's foremost um, expert in um, Highland weapons. And Roger Norling out of uh, uh, Sweden. And he actually teaches um, kind of a inclusive... Um, fighting system that involves everything from daggers to um, 10 foot long halberds. And um, every time I train with him, it's usually in a group of martial artists that are much more uh, advanced and he still 
kicks the crap out of all of us and makes us all feel sore for a week later. And, uh, you know, when you kind of get to a certain level, you're the one that does that to people and you kind of forget <laughs> that there are still a few people left in the world that can do it to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, as I like to tell people, if you can name it, I've done it or something like it at this point. Um, martial arts is a language to me, um, you know, not just one style. Um, I won't uh, claim to be a ninth degree, uh, you know, dragon master of anything, but uh, I've studied enough of a lot of martial arts to be very good in quite a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I don't think I said this at the beginning, but the point today we're going to talk about is the difference between real life martial arts and filmmaking. So let's start with a little bit with your film background. Like what, when did you want to start getting involved with filmmaking? Um, well, I, I always wanted it. I loved movies when I was a kid. I mean, movies got me involved in martial arts. So I wanted to be a Jedi and they didn't have a Yoda in my town. So my dad uh, signed me up for karate at seven years old. That was my uh, birthday present, in fact. Um, I didn't really get the opportunity till the very late 90s. Uh, I want to say it was the summer of 99. And um, it was originally an extra thing. Um, it was, uh, as many uh, things are in the Midwest, it was low budget uh, and poorly organized. Um, and so as an extra, they said, hey, you want to be in some fight scenes? And I, of course, said yes, because I'm young uh, and nothing can kill me. And so um, they're like, do you have any background? And I kind of did the same thing I did with uh, uh, telling you my background, obviously, minus 20 years. Uh, so not as long of a story, but uh, they put me with another guy. Uh, they gave me a sword. They gave him a spear. They said, fight. They didn't give us choreography. They didn't do anything of that sort. Uh, they, and when the director yelled cut, having been an actor, director says, cut, you, you stop. Uh, he was a fighter. And, you know, as you know, uh, the bell rings, you still swing, you know, like you wait for the referee to pull you apart, you know. Um, and I ended up uh, kind of put this up there right there on my middle finger knuckle. You can kind of see that scar there. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, he didn't stop. That was from his spear. It almost severed my finger. Um, went back, uh, talked with the director and the producers, and uh, basically said, this is, this is completely unsafe, and ended up stepping in for him um, and doing a lot of the fight choreography. Uh, some of the stuff had already been written, but I started supervising more of it and ended up... Uh, going from extra to stunt player to fight coordinator to actually doubling uh, in the film, which I've only watched once because it's as bad as you might imagine. I, I can't bring myself to watch it again. Uh, you actually see me die four times because I felt I was the only one safe enough to have a sword swung at them by the heroes who had also not been trained. Um, I hold nothing against them. Um, what you and I do is a very specific skill set. Um, and it's not something that everybody has, especially in the U.S. Actors in, the, in uh, England tend to have some sort of stage combat background, but these were just a bunch of random dudes that said, hey, let's make a, a sword fighting movie, and nobody bothered to teach them how to sword fight. Um, so since then, um, I went on hiatus once I got uh, kind of into the upper level fighting, but after uh, kind of hanging up my gloves and uh, whatnot, didn't have uh, the outlet that fighting used to give me. Didn't have the reason to get up and train. Uh, didn't have, you know, anything to show for what I was doing in martial arts and decided to get back in movies and uh, again. And that was about um, actually 10 years ago last week. Um, 
local filmmaker and I got, got together and started working out a concept for a film. Um, I ended up training uh, the cast over the course of about two months. Uh, we did um, there one fight that spent we spent about seven hours shooting was a uh, five on three fight. Wow. Um, and technically, it, we should call it uh, eleven on three because several of the people that died, because they're bad guys and wear bad guy clothes, they just changed weapons and uh, a little cost. Yeah, so we we recycled bad guys and. Uh, we filmed all day in just horrible heat, uh, and our bad guys were wearing kind of rubber armor because it looked enough like leather, but it was a lot cheaper. Um, and you know, uh, nobody got hurt. Yeah. And we had uh, a variety of weapons. We had um, the main bad guys wearing using double swords. A couple of the um, wizards are wearing using uh, staves. We had. Um, halberds we had single swords we had you name it it was being used and it was all mixed um and everybody ended up looking amazing and nobody got hurt except for the cameraman who um we kept on telling him dude take some water sit down he was wearing a a steady cam rig and he had a heart attack the next day um and but yeah so film can take its toll on you but uh I proudly that uh, scar I showed you is something that I've been showing people uh, every time I take over on a set and I say, Hey, here's this thing I got 20 years ago. That's the only injury that's ever happened on one of my sets. Yeah. This is serious. Yeah. But uh, yeah, since then I've done um, a ton of fight scenes in the twin cities uh, more and more over the last four years. Um, Mostly because I've gotten better as an actor. So a lot of producers realize they can bring me in as an actor, have me play the bad guy because I'm a I'm a six foot seven, two hundred and ninety pound uh, beast. Looking guy. <laughs> so you yeah. So all you have to do to say I'm a bad guy is have the good guy look at me and be scared. So you don't <laughs> need to spend time explaining that I'm the bad guy, which is expedient in filmmaking. It's a it's something that is a good thing, even though. Uh, it's a little bit crazy. Uh, and then they also get a fight coordinator from me. Uh, and they, you know, now I've won uh, several awards for uh, best fight and uh, various other things. And I'm, I somehow became a go-to guy. And yeah. I will say straight up, I know several fight coordinators who are much better than I am. And I know a few actors um, that play a better bad guy than I do, but none of them do both. Yeah. Well, I can't, when, when you're telling the story of the, the term battlefield promoted takes on a new meaning. <laughs> true enough, true enough. <laughs> so um, so let's talk a little bit about, so you got real life uh, martial arts competition. There's a few different forms. There's like point sparring and kata where it's more of a performance breaking and then like an actual fight. Yeah. So flashy moves with that, they do have a place, but for a, uh, well, let's just start with that and then we'll go into movies, flashy moves. So. Yep. So, yeah, like I was told by a martial arts instructor that like with flashy moves, it's like it it gives you another tool to use because if you're drawing your standard, maybe one of the six main punches and a roundhouse kick, like that's pretty limited and you're going to be pretty predictable. So if you can add in like spinning dragon backflip kick or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, I've found there's... uh... Again, being tall, some of the flashy moves actually worked for me. And if you, so much of what we see as the flashy move is kind of, 
you know, to steal from baseball, it's the windup and the pitch. So um, there's a lot of um, people sell what the pitch is going to be in the windup. But if you can kind of um, cut it out, uh, you can actually sell a better move. Uh, there was, um, when I was uh, fighting in Taekwondo for the University of Iowa, there's uh, kind of a jump spin roundhouse kick. Uh, it's called a Nadabanchagi. And if you were to do it just on its own, it's easy to see. Um, but you kind of do a, um, a step and then spin behind and throw the kick. And the, the spin behind, if you sell it like it's a back kick, which is a very devastating move. Um, it, back I've, side kick. Yeah. Kind of thing. yeah. yeah. And I, I've decisively won fights uh, just on back kicks. Mm -hmm. um, when you can, when people see that move coming, they dodge in a certain way. So you sell that, that um, your step behind is a back kick. And then when they kind of get out of the way, you throw this roundhouse kick up right behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very good at doing that to head level. Um, which has, you know, a double duty. Like if it hits, it hits very hard. And if it misses, they realize that you're going to throw something crazy at them. And suddenly they're on, they're on their heels and they're running away from you most of the match. Um, I've scored a lot with head kicks, but I'm very fast with them and I can still get power. Um, and mostly, uh, I like it. I trained with Bill Wallace and there's, um, we have a myth that head kicks are slow and easy to see. And that's because, um, you know, we, the, the bronze that I said, I got, uh, at the national championships, guess what? It was a kick to the face that took me out of the match. Um, I was ready to keep going. I couldn't stop bleeding for about 10 minutes and the refs wouldn't let me, uh, get, get back in the ring. So that's why I got a bronze instead of a silver or gold. But, uh, yeah, there's some of the flash, you can interpret it and it has a place. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's not even like what you're seeing is the flash is actually meant to be something else. But for the most part, nobody teaches what that is. Uh, in, in Japanese martial arts, it's called bunkai. It's like, here's what you're seeing. Here's what it actually is. Mm -hmm. Most of the time anymore, nobody does that because they can make the same amount of money having 30 kids lined up in a class, um, doing their key eyes and flopping their arms and legs around until they get a black belt. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, a mixed bag if you're going to find a quality instructor. But um, so it sounds like the point is like you're not standing on the opposite ends of the ring and flying through the air with like a Superman punch or a kick or whatever. It's like the yeah. point is doing something tricky to open them up and hit them with something unexpected. Yeah, like I, I never lead with a hook kick. What people now call a roundhouse kick. Um, but if I see a, a roundhouse kick coming in towards my uh, stomach in, in a certain way, I know that I can throw the hook kick and catch them before they can set their foot down. And all I have to do is kind of put a block in so that uh, it bounces off me instead of actually gets that point. And, you know, you have to time it right, but that's any move. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when you're, when you fight in a specific ring, no matter what it is, you have specific moves that you can and can't do. Uh, you have specific parameters and you learn to fight within those parameters. Um, I know a lot of guys when I was in, uh, because the, everyone was trying to simplify martial arts, would only try to score um, kicks to the stomach because they had learned, A, you know, um, it takes too long to get to the head. And it's like, no, not really. 
and but it also made them very predictable and very easy to to exploit so i like to have a lot of things that i can do at any given time yeah because if you know it's either a or b it's pretty easy to look but then you throw a c d e and f it's like yeah. ah, what do you do cover them. well and i think that's honestly one of the reasons why i ended up with um uh national silver medals when i did kendo uh is because um I trained in Europe for about a year and a half in basically free for all sword fighting. Um, you know, there uh, it's not competition, but like, oh yeah, I can cut you to the ankle. I can. Uh, there's one move called the coup de jarnac where you actually try to cut somebody's hamstrings. Um, and then uh, when I came back and started doing uh, kumdo and kendo, all I can hit is the wrist, the side of the stomach, top of the head, and in certain competitions, you could go to the throat if they uh, if it was agreed on. And so those are the only places that people could go to on me and suddenly oh i have a lot easier time defending because i only have to look for four things instead of mm -hmm. an infinite number yeah well so. thing with weapons too like i haven't done a ton of weapons training but i did get to do a little bit of um do you know about the saber legion the lightsaber fighting oh yeah i've got a couple good really good friends doing that yeah so um i when i was doing that it's totally different with the range that a weapon gives you compared to what I'm used to with hand-to-hand -hand stuff. So my lead knee got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's uh, kind of one of the crazy things um, when you start doing weapons is realizing all the stuff because you don't look for your knee as much. You know, I mean, you, you can kind of pull it back somewhat when you see somebody rushing in but like you said you don't have the same amount of time when somebody's swinging you know 36 inches of uh, a blade at you right yeah so and i've played tennis and like racket sports so i'm used to kind of knowing my reach with a thing um so that part was fine it's just getting used to the other guy because i'm not oh, yeah. in tennis you're not whacking each other you're like across the court so um but still it's very fun yeah. uh very cool stuff so when when I was doing kendo, like the the basic stance, your your body is over your front leg almost completely, and um, Master Jun, the guy that I uh, started training with, uh, he's like uh, he kept on like because I, I would do you know my Highlander, you know my Obi Wan Kenobi stances, and then he just tapped my knee. He's like, why is that there? You're you're getting yourself closer to me, and you're getting your blade further away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I definitely like instinctively kind of figured out just a basic fencing stabbing approach for the lightsaber worked pretty well <laughs> yeah. for me at least um with next to no training so but anyway so what's uh okay so we did that so with fancy moves in well in fighting and in, in a in a movie i guess it really depends on the fight scene but in general you want the move to look good on camera so that kind of changes the game a little bit yeah. Well, uh, there's that, but there's also you want the audience to see what's happening. Um, you know, guys like you and I, you know, with years and years in the martial arts, we're going to recognize things that happen in split seconds. Um, and we're going to recognize the nuance of a properly done technique. But, you know, 95% of the world has no clue the kind of stuff that we know to look for. Mm -hmm. um, and again, no fault of their own. It's what you and I have done with our lives is by many metrics ridiculous it's like yeah we're i'm just gonna go and have somebody kind of throw me around kick me punch me you know i'm gonna break my nose i'm gonna dislocate uh several joints that sort of thing uh but 
in movies you want the audience to recognize oh this is a big thrust this is you know um he's winding up for this huge punch uh ways that you would never really do in a real fight but the audience needs to see what it is um because you know most of the time a real fight is boring yeah. uh, i mean it's violent and it's visceral but the moves themselves are basic and kind of grunting um you know even um most sword fights uh there's a little bit of footage available from um i want to say it was aldo nadi um one of the last uh, duels in france they actually have a, a some uh newsreel from it and uh he he breaks several of his own rules and he actually apologized to a lot of his students that he used to yell at because he did things in fights that he would like smack him on the back of the legs for but um you know, to that point, though, um, to look good on camera, but also to be something that the the audience will recognize, because I mean, the master strokes that you and I know, I mean, aren't going to be something that anybody else recognizes. It's like, oh, that's just a regular punch. No, that's very hard punch. Oh, uh, what you know? I mean, think about a figure four. How devastating that can be when properly applied. It's really hard to put the the pain that that can cause on film right. so you end up if you have somebody doing jujitsu they do it like black widow mm -hmm. so that you see somebody getting tangled up and controlled and you know you you know i mean otherwise you have to spend 20 minutes explaining the mechanics of a figure four of a kimura of an umaplata you know of all these things that you know you and i do naturally and we know from experience wow these work and they hurt <laughs> right so um so when you're doing choreography, like talk a little bit about like what it's like working with like a, a martial artist as opposed to a just a, a actor that doesn't necessarily have the background. Um, I will say my favorite people to work with on a fight scene are trained dancers. Um, martial artists, um, again, like that, that first one that I worked with, we all are trying to win. And we have that ingrained in our heads. We have a response system. This is coming at me. This is what I know how to do. Um, we're either going to have it in our heads, like, and kind of arrogantly, like, not play the part right because I can kick the crap out of this guy, <laughs> or we have to so be in control of where we are that we don't actually perform we're just doing the choreography because that's all we can we can't be in character and lose even mm -hmm. though as a monster that plays bad guys i have to lose every fight and i'm generally training the person to look like they can beat me uh and that's that's a skill set uh but with a dancer a dancer knows how to hit their mark and knows that the movement is the purpose, not necessarily the the attack, not necessarily the impact. So I can get a dancer to repeat a movement pretty much exactly 100 times in a row and have them do it the way that I want to at the speed and rhythm that I want to. Um, whereas a fighter may have the skill set to do beautiful moves, but the more often that we do it, the more that move changes. Mm -hmm. Because we don't, most of the time, you know, even like the the people that fight in kata or that uh, compete in kata, um, they won't repeat a segment of a kata 500 times. Uh, or you know, generally I will have somebody if we're doing a fight scene, I'll have somebody do it three or four times per camera angle. 
So you'll have what's called the master, which is the big wide shot where you can see everybody head to toe. And then you go in for what's called the cowboy or a two shot. Uh, and that's basically from the hips up. And then we'll do OTS uh, behind one person, OTS behind another person. And they'll have to do the, these same moves four or five times, you know, depending on if they do it right, for each um, camera setting. And doing that reliably over and over again gets a little trickier. Uh, however, if I have, quote unquote, just an actor um, that doesn't know how to express with the body, um, that can be tricky. Um, and when I say express with the body, um, you know, they can kind of act and they can embody a character, but to express violence, right. having never done it, um, and having never danced, because dance, even though, you know, pretty and whatnot, you can still express emotion through those movements, mm -hmm. rather than emotion through posture. Um, if the, the actor doesn't understand how to kind of express uh, aggression and tiredness, it gets a little tricky one of my favorite things to do and actually I, I won my first best fight award with an actress um she was playing a pit fighter fantastically talented actress um and they didn't have a fight choreographer for the thing and it's it's a movie about pit fighting so a friend of mine recommended me and i took this actress and we went to the gym and for basically three days i had her hitting a 180 pound heavy bag um and just bam, bam, bam. And she's like, how oh, this hurts. I'm like, yep, this right here is the world that you live in if you're this fighter. Uh, because nobody really talks about like when you hit something, it hurts you. Um, you know, like if you're, you know, I fought men's heavyweight. I've been fighting men, you know, you know, in the mid 200s, 220 to 260 from the time I was 14. And that has done a number on my joints. But even, you know, at lower weights, you're still hitting a human. And that, that punches back at you. And that exhaustion and that pain, you can't pretend that what that feels like until you've done it. And so put her through this, gave her the exact moves that I wanted her to do. And we ended up winning best fight against uh, some very stiff competition to fight choreographers that um, I admire quite a bit, who've actually trained me. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of the, uh, the acting and the, and the work that, uh, Rachel did, uh, we just had a, a fantastic fight. Uh, it was really fun to see it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, when you're going through the choreography process, um, do you like look at the, the character's particular background or like, how do you kind of go about choreographing the scene? Um, well, f first I try to get a sense of what the, the tone of the movie is. Uh, and I learned that, that actually pretty early on, uh, I was working on a movie, uh, actually the one I was talking about the one I did 10 years ago here in the cities, um, and talking with the director and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, here's kind of what I'm thinking. And I just came up with these really big, brutal fights. Um, and they were just awesome. And then I realized that the tone of the movie was much more childlike. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had kind of done, um, you know, some sort of Sam Peckinpah blood fest. And it was really supposed to be kind of, uh, you know, sort of a kid's adventure, Dora the Explorer, but in a medieval world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a little bit mismatched. So now, you know, one of the first things I do is I try to find the tone of the movie. 
Um, then I figure out what the the skill level is of the actors, what I can get them to do, and what they're going to be comfortable uh, doing slash having done to them. Um, and I can usually get people, you know, and I explain what it is and what I, what I want to see. I can usually get people to do um, what it is I like. But if they're uncomfortable, I never push it. Um, and then try to figure out what the character is. I actually was on a conference call two days ago for a movie I'm filming in Duluth on the 1st. Um, and I just needed to clarify with uh, the director and producer what a certain character's background was, because he's got this great big bar fight. Um, the way that it was written in the script, uh, this guy could either be a ninja master or he could just have uh, just been beaten on his whole life and isn't really afraid of violence and kind of knows a few dirty tricks and that's how he wins the fight. And it wasn't expressly clear in the... Uh, the script that I had received or the treatment. So I needed to make sure. And then from there, um, I take a look at the body types, what's going to be interesting on screen. Um, you know, if, I, if I've got somebody fighting me, um, what's going to look interesting um, when they hit me, when, when they start winning, when they start losing. Um, and then I try to think about the environment that I'm going to be in. Um, how far, you know, even though it's a two-dimensional screen that I'm watching, I like to move three-dimensionally in my fights. So I like to move backwards a little bit. I like to, um, you know, maybe even rush the screen as I can. Um, and then I sort of let the fight grow. If there's a few, if there's something specific that the director wants to see, I'll always do that. But at this point, most of the time, the director's telling me to have fun. And they'll they'll dial me back. They say, oh, this doesn't feel like the movie. And so I'll take something out of there. Uh, but really, it's um, what I like to do is make a fight that looks natural and believable, but one that I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. And my main thing is I never like to have a pause in my fights. Um, I hate when there's like, bam, 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 bam. And then they just kind of sit there and look at each other like, moment of respect or like uh that if if my fighters have time to quip they i haven't done my job as a choreographer um i really like to see just two people trying not to die and trying to make the other person not live um and i like desperation and a little bit of exhaustion um and i i'll work as much as i can with the camera people um if they'll bring the dp in for rehearsals i will uh, say, okay, here's where I would do a camera change. You know, so instead of having one master shot, um, which if I'm dealing with very qualified stunt actors, I'll do master shots all day. Mm-hmm. But if I'm using actors that have done one or two fight scenes, but it's not, you know, again, you and I have spent years doing this. Most actors have. Most actors have spent years being actors. Um repeating and doing a fight scene over and over again a you know this last one that i uh did is about a minute and a half long which is an eternity when you're fighting with weapons um especially if you have to do it over and over again um if if i can make everyone comfortable and make everyone look good and get the the cuts basically built into the choreography Mm -hmm. the audience on second and third viewing, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's where they made the cut, but they're not going to care. But if I have like all these pause moments 
where, you know, and I, I've built them in um, to other fights, but like suddenly I'd be like, why would they stop there? You know, so I'll, I'll criticize my own fights, but like if, if I can just get a good slugfest and people just feeling desperate, that's what I want to have in a fight. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was going to ask about like, because I know like uh, Jackie Chan and like the Eastern filmmaker guys, they'll, like you're saying, like they'll build, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and then they'll build the cut into that sequence. And then it's like, now we're over here, bam, bam, yep. bam, 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 and just kind of building it that way, as opposed to in the West, it's much more, we're going to have eight cameras running and we're just going to figure it out in the, in the editing bay. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I've I've done a few like that as well, and if I've got good stunt crew, um, guys with a background and girls, I should say, because uh, I know several very very talented female um, uh, uh, stunt actors and uh, fight coordinators. Um, if I've got the people that can do that, yeah. But one of the things is with um, that makes film safe is playing specifically to a camera to one camera and knowing where that camera is. Um, and so I can play with the angles, play with the distance. Um, so um, say um, I'm here, my fight, my fighters are going like this to camera. If I go like that, you know, now it still looks like they're pointing at each other, but they're actually at different levels. So um, fighter A is actually going to strike to the left of fighter B and fighter B is going to strike to the left of fighter A. So they'll never actually be striking towards one another, but to the camera, because they're translating 3D into 2D, mm -hmm. um, we can make it look like there's some danger. And if you time it just right, uh, you know, with the reactions, it'll look like somebody got hit, even though they were never, you know, within two feet of a fist. Mm -hmm. um, and when you start adding secondary cameras into that, suddenly those angles are going to expose all the little tricks that we do. Man behind the curtain kind of thing, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you can do it, but again, you're getting much closer. Um, and right. that's more of the old school. Uh, you see Van Damme doing a lot of that, um, but that's also why he's, uh, uh, what was it, on Cyborg. Um, he Universal just- soldier. Oh, no, on Cyborg, he took somebody's eye out. A guy oh. named uh, James Pickney. Uh, he decided to change the choreography without telling anybody and uh, stabbed the guy in the eye with a kukri, oh. which of all the things that I don't want to be stabbed with, a kukri is really near the top yeah. of the list. Yeah. And, yeah, I just watched uh, Goodfellas and they do the ice pick. But still. Oh. <laughs> like, um, Speaking yeah. of, one of the the movies that gave me nightmares um, casino mm. when they had the baseball bat scene in the cornfield. Yeah. I, I was a grown up when I saw that gave me nightmares. Uh, two years ago, I had to do a baseball bat stunt. Um, and basically like I'd been playing a bad guy, but not really a bad guy in the film itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just kind of a prank. One of the characters didn't know that and came in, was supposed to uh, kind of tenderize me with a baseball bat, supposed to go to the stomach first to kind of get me to bend over so that I could do kind of one of those uh, perspective tricks with camera. Right. And so that I could turn away and he could swing it past my head and I could, you know, and it would be, you know, a few feet away, but the camera, it looked like it hit me. Mm -hmm. And so he could look like he hit me with it. He had gotten into character. And instead of going for my stomach first, he swung at my head. Oh. And 
because I was so freaked out by doing a baseball bat stunt from this movie from 1995. Um, when he swung the wrong way, I was already halfway expecting it. And I stepped back, grabbed the bat in midair. Uh, I'll send you the link to it because the director let me keep it. Um, and uh, just looked at him. I'm like, no, no, gut, gut first. Two days later, like the adrenaline wore off. And I was like, oh, that that should have been <laughs> that should have been the second in injury on one of my sets. But it wasn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so is there like a, a style of choreography that you kind of like or have a favorite or do you kind of adapt it? You kind of touched on it, like touching on the tone of the movie, but. Um, I'll tell you, I stole most of my style from uh, Anthony DeLongis, who um, is the guy that taught uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford how to use a bullwhip. Uh, he was Blade in the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe movie. Um, he was on a couple episodes of Highlander, um, which is, you know, again, one of the reasons why I've got a ponytail. Love that show. Uh, but he was also in uh, Jet Li's Fearless. Uh, he was the Spanish sword master that he fights at the beginning. Um, and he had this when, after I got that uh, promoted from extra to fight coordinator, um, I got his um, VHS tapes. That's how long ago this was. Um, the broadsword for the stage and screen. Mm -hmm. And while it was just broadsword that he was teaching, um, it was so in depth on how to understand the camera angles and how to look dangerous but be safe that um it stuck with me more than anything else because i can take what i learned about how to throw um, a broadsword around and not hurt anybody and turn that into a round kick um you know i can turn that into you know pretty much if you kind of keep your mind nimble you can translate that into another physical language mm -hmm. um and you know i've i've trained and certified with the um uh, society of american fight directors now uh several times um uh and i actually just started doing that a couple years ago because i realized oh i'm out here doing this without any certification mm -hmm. but there's also a language that a lot of actors are now learning um and so if i'm going to talk to them i should know what they're speaking and if i'm going to change and do something different from what they know I should at least know where my departure point is. Yeah. But uh, Anthony DeLongis, um, definitely my uh, my guru when it comes to uh, fight choreography. Yeah. So it, it sounds like the projects that you've been involved in, they actually devote enough time to doing the fight scene properly. Like, have you seen that be the, I guess, is that always the, why isn't that always the case? Um, well, I'd, I'd say it's about um, 30, 70, how much time I get to do the fight scenes. Um, one of the things that um, has been kind of my saving grace, um, and I think why I get the work that I do is I am the guy that will come in last minute. Um, I would love, you know, to have the two months beforehand uh, to, d to train the actors and to d develop the fights. but. Um, I also had um, a couple experiences in 2017 of actors and actresses that I knew being on sets where they just gave them weapons and said, here, go. And um, I was called to um, a couple different sets, like 
on the day of filming and the actors are freaking out but they can you know at a certain point like in an industry where you're not famous you can't back out mm -hmm. but i was kind of a trump card and so i'd come in and i would with the amount of time they gave me i would do the best possible fight that i could right um and i basically i teach people exactly what i want them to do um and i i i'll, I'll i'm a a control freak with the director uh, i'll be like hey guess what i'm directing now i'm telling your cameraman where to set up and i get to call cut and i get to call action um and then from there those actors can now feel safe just knowing that i'm there because i am a i'm a big stickler on safety uh, but one of the other things as i say is like i will teach you to be as safe as possible but you're still not safe you know if you're swinging, you know, even if it's just a slap, um, you know, much less a sword, um, you're still in a dangerous situation, but I, I'll give you the language to be as safe as we possibly can. And so the actors then are able to act and feel safe because they know that I'm not going to, or I'm going to do my very best not to let anything happen to them. Um, and that I, you know, kind of proud of my safety record and that, you know, I won't let them do anything I don't think they can do. Um, and so I have a few directors that have a habit of like calling me up last minute. I, I won't name names because they're, they're a lot of fun and I love working with them, but I had a guy call me up on a, a Friday and he's like, Hey, I'm kind of doing this shoot. Um, I just need some like prop rifles. Well, what kind of rifles? Well, I'm thinking kind of like military. And I'm like, okay. So I scrounged up basically a pile of assault weapons, <laughs> uh, but all like airsoft and BB gun stuff, but looked real enough. Showed up and he's like, hey, um, do you think you could uh, show these guys a few things? I'm like, well, what do you want? Well, I was thinking, you know, if we can get them to march like a unit and then, you know, kind of shoulder arms fire, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, you mean the stuff that uh, drill sergeants spent, uh, you know, a couple weeks yelling at us to figure out how to do it properly? You you want me to do that in about 45 minutes? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll see what I can do. And I, I was able to do it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, But then there's others that will reach out to me and say, hey, I've got this idea in my head. And ZFest is six months out. Mm -hmm. Here's what I want to do. I've I just, I, I was, I was watching this. I was playing that. I was, you know, doing something. I've got this idea. What do you think? And then they'll give me the time. And um, I've worked now uh, a few times with uh, Vanessa Horrocks um, with uh, Oxford Comma um, Collective. It's a film group. Um, the first time I won that uh, best fight at ZFest another fight that I had done for her was also nominated. I kind of think it was the better one just from a technical aspect. The drama was better in the one that won, but technically I think our fight was better. Uh, she wrote me up. She's like, I really want to win this year. How much time do you need? Um, here's the setup. What should we do? And I honestly feel like if I don't win this year, there had better be an absolutely brilliant Jet Li level fight because it is the most brutal, the most complex and the but natural fight I've ever done. It's a guy with an empty rifle uh, trying to reload, but mm -hmm. it's on a single point sling. So he can't really use it as a much as a offensive weapon. He can kind of defend with it versus a guy with a K bar, uh, which is a Marine Corps fighting knife. And it's 
until the moment where somebody dies, you have no idea who is going to win the fight. It is not, it is not pretty and no pauses. And uh, these guys just came in uh, and I was stealing stuff from uh, Marine Corps combatives, um, Sicilian knife fighting techniques that I've been kind of uh, playing around with um, some jujitsu that you definitely recognize, but being augmented by a rifle. So imagine doing a figure four, but you've uh, now got like a rifle butt to yeah. uh, kind of push against. I mean, it's really good stuff. Even like Aikido, you know, like uh, the 13 point um, or the 13 step staff uh, kata doing using these techniques and but putting it together in a way that like looks like these guys are just straight up operators, ex-military, but stealing whatever I can from anywhere. Yeah, uh, even just hearing you describe it, I can definitely see the the awesome desperation survival like that you talk about. So that's yeah, awesome. I can't wait to see it on screen in an audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's that's one thing that I really like. Um, Z Fest is making sure to do this year that they want to screen everything in a theater because I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to hear the the movie because I'm going to hear people going oh and just like cringing and having like these visceral responses because this is not pretty this is not nice this is uh, this is brutal but well choreographed and I, I'm really proud of this fight yeah so look forward to that in Z Fest um, let's see so yeah it's just interesting you're talking about like it seems like uh, I don't, I don't know where to word this, but like the problem of ego, like where, do you run into ego problems? Like when you're all safety, you're the safety uh, sheriff. I do. Um, and it's completely understandable. I still have to do it. Um, and cause it's, you, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you also don't want to hurt their bones and their skin and their muscles. Um, and if, if I've got somebody that I can't rely on to do something safe, um, you know, I've, I've gone and talked to directors. And I'm like, I can't work with this person. Um, and I'll say, you know, ultimately it's, you know, your call, but like, I can't put this person in a fight with somebody else. And so they're, they're little workarounds. Um, and I, I will admit to having, having had uh, some ego um, myself, mostly because when I kind of was started doing this stuff, people would see me and it's like, okay, basically I would get Hulk smash kind of moves or I would get, um, you know, kind of slow, big, dopey uh, guy, you know, looks scary, but easy to take apart. Uh, what I kind of call the Buffy the Vampire Slayer choreography. Mm -hmm. um, all you have to do is a jump kick and suddenly you win. Um, and that also helped me to be a better choreographer because I stopped choreographing for the winner. And I started choreographing for the loser. Because if there's going to be any drama, the winner has to have risk. So uh, if the winner has all the good moves, who cares about the loser? Boring. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, it's preordained. But if the loser can believably get the crap knocked out of them 
and then believably win the fight, you have a loser overcoming not only the initial perception of uh, the fighter or of the opponent, but you're also overcoming like a complete physical deficit, a complete, um, you know, overcoming pain, overcoming exhaustion over, you know, I mean, think about Rocky too. You know, uh, he won a fight against the guy that destroyed him before, uh, you know, Rocky three, same thing. Uh, you know, all these um, moments, like if you set up the bad guy as more than just bad looking, but actually, capable of winning the fight mm -hmm. then you've got drama uh there's a few choreographers that um i've worked with who only choreograph for the hero uh and it's there was one i did where there was like 11 of us uh who are top tier stunt guys you know i'm a former champion martial artist we had a professional wrestler uh we had um seven other guys that were just like um, kind of masters in their own field, you know, various weapons. And all that we did was get killed. You know, a couple of us got one or two moves, mostly because we asked. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, why would you even bring us in to get shot and stabbed? Yeah. Like, why do you have us? Like the, um, what the, the, I keep seeing, I get frustrated when I see Scott Adkins in movies because it's like he's this incredible guy, and then he's yeah. just this grunt who gets like sidelined, and it's like, come on. Oh yeah. Well, and um, was it uh, Rick Casamasa, uh, the guy? He was the agent upgrade in Matrix Two. Oh yeah. Um, but he was also um, Scorpion and Sub Zero. Uh, in the first Mortal Kombat movie. He was also, um, I think he was the guy that got kicked in the face by the horse in John May, uh, John Wick 3. Mm. Um, but he's just like one of these fantastically talented martial artists that really is there to do like two spin kicks and then die. Um, and I'd really, I would love to see more people like him kind of get a chance. Right. Yeah. Um... So I guess, do you have advice for, for martial artists who want to get into acting slash stunt work? Um, yeah, work on your kata and um, work them hard and know that you can set your your feet down exactly where you need to every time. Um, as, as much as the actual um, fighting ability kind of comes from being in the ring, your ability to be a good stuntman is, and a good on-screen fighter is the ability to put your hand foot weapon exactly where you want it to and be able to stop exactly where you want it to and to be able to do it reliably and repeatedly um you know i'm especially with COVID, i've been coming back to kata a lot more than i had in the past uh, because i was a fighter i've got a few kata medals but most of my medals are for uh full contact fighting um and it's um, it's humbling and it's one of those things that um, you know most people are either good at one or the other, and the really good fighters, you know, in the ring fighters, tend to stay away from kata. But it actually um, can improve your game if you look at it the right way. If you do the bunkai instead of just like okay, down block, reverse punch, uh, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but also kind of put yourself in the uh, put your white belt on again. Um, 
because there there is some very necessary humility that comes with it because um, there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to be told to lose, which we don't like to do. Right. We have learned how not to lose. Uh, we have learned how to win. We have learned how to survive. We have learned how to get out of just about anything. Um, you really have to, um, you, you have to be the UK. You have to let the attack work against you. You have to be the person that gets thrown. Um, and you have to do it in such a way that you're a generous partner to the, to your Nage, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm certain, uh, you know, a lot of your listeners are going to know, okay, Nage, um, the, uh, the UK is the person that gets thrown in judo and jujitsu. The Nage is the person doing the throwing. Um, and so you kind of, you give them enough of a move so that they can react, but, um, you're gonna, you're gonna run into a lot of people that feel they know more than you, do know more than you, um, and or don't know more than you. Uh, but eventually, if you're going to get anywhere with it, you have to be able to take direction. You have to be able to perform your kata. You have to be able to be the UK. Uh, you have to be able to um, be reliable uh, and be safe. Um, and that's. Um, that can be tricky if you're a really good fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, I mean, I've been doing, um, you know, stunt fights for a couple decades now, and I still have to, every so often, be like, I'm not supposed to win this fight. I can't do this move that is completely obvious to me to destroy this person, uh, you know, so I have to uh, get in there. Um, and I'd also recommend taking a dancing class. Yeah. Whether it's uh, ballroom, uh, ballet. Um, actually, I found ballet when I was fighting really helped me a lot with uh, my mobility. But the the ability to just uh, find your mark and repeatedly do that type of motion. Um, and if you can turn what we do into a dance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and ballroom, like um, if you're doing a waltz, there's a lot of uh, stuff that transfers into Aikido and Judo. Uh, the way that uh, dance frame moves, the way that I can manipulate somebody, very similar. Um, you know, if you've got that mindset to kind of see that. Um, but yeah, and uh, keep up on your general fitness because it doesn't look like it's going to be more difficult than uh, actual fighting, but it really can be because you're just going to be in the same place over and over again you're not going to be in gym clothes yeah you're going to be in jeans and a t-shirt you're going to be in biker boots you're going to be uh, you know if you're a pirate you do not want to fight in a pirate costume my god it sucks cowboys too sucks so much even though it's so much fun playing cowboys like you don't want to have a fight in that it's like you got the big old duster on you got you know you got the six gun on your hip like it's all messed up yeah, I always am really impressed when I see a girl kick in high heels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like, I've, I've only done a couple projects where I've been involved as a, a fighter and an actor. And I definitely agree with you with like, you feel that I don't want, I, I can kill this person. <laughs> I don't want to be beat up and have yeah. to ride that. So, um, Well, and if you can also build the relationship with the person that's beating you, uh such that you can make their moves better yeah um it does take the sting out 
Like if they look like they know what they're doing instead of they look like they got choreographed to beat your ass. Um, yeah. And as a fighter yourself, you know, you can kind of say, okay, you know, watch the shoulders. You know, if I'm seeing the shoulder come across, everything that you're taught to look for as a fighter is exactly what you should be telling an actor to do versus what you tell a fighter not to do. Yeah. So when that shoulder comes across, like, oh, as soon as I see that, guess what? You're getting a little chin music. But to to the audience, if they're seeing, you know, that shoulder wind up, there's, they're going to see a power move. And so now, not only is your opponent looking better, but you now have a little bit more time because now you've got this cue to work with. And, you know, if you're blocking, you know, if you're supposed to respond to it, you can use all that little thing, you know, use the time as wisely as you can. Yeah. Well, and like my, my personal background with, with training, personal training, like fitness, weightlifting, and then also like teaching people martial arts, like that, that does help with, um, you know, being safer, I find. And then uh, I also got into ballroom and swing dancing when I was in college and like a couple like theater things I've done where you learn a dance, like that's, that's really fun. So and I mean, you, you can even point to Bruce Lee because he was the, the cha-cha champion in Hong Kong. Yep. Point, so. so 1959, I want to say, 1960. Yeah, something like that. So um, there's definitely, you know, leave your ego and put on your white belt, and like you were saying. Yeah. So, so what about advice for like actors and directors working on a scene? Like, is there anything you could like you want to shake someone and get get through to them? <laughs> Um, I would say that basically if you want to do a fight scene, get somebody involved early. Um, don't try to do it on the day unless you know the person. Um, I have a few people that I will plan stuff ahead of time for and choreograph on the day because they know that I can get the fighters to do it. Um, and you know, they're generally people that trust me um, so that when I work with them and I tell them to do something on the day, they can just do it. Um, but again, you know, kind of have the humility, the, the fight choreographer is going to know every trick of how to uh, make the fight look good. If you disagree with your fight choreographer, the fight choreographer is right. Yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes it's just going to be a matter of like, you know, you never want to shoot at a completely perpendicular angle. Uh, so basically, like if, you know, the two fighters are facing each other and like they're straight on facing each other, uh, not kind of shifted like I was talking about before. But if they're straight on facing each other, you never want to have uh, the camera kind of at that 90 degrees from them. Right. Because everything that I'm going to do to make it look like they're the fighters are in danger, like playing with the angles is going to disappear. Now it's going to be like, oh yeah, that sword never would have hit, uh, that sort of thing. So always shoot somewhere between 70 and 35 degrees off center from uh, the fighters. And that gives them enough room that they can look like they're in danger and completely not be. And that's going to make the performance better it's also going to kind of have the eye travel left to right more instead of go to the middle and try to go left and right the whole time. You're actually going to see a little bit better what's going on. It's better framing. Um, and definitely if the, if anybody involved in the fight process feels uncomfortable, 
fix it or skip it. Mm -hmm. uh, because if, if I've got an actor that just doesn't feel comfortable with a move, they're not going to look good on screen. That scene is going to be shot. So find a way to fix it, work with the fight coordinator, uh, get a double, um, you know, just change the angles completely so that it's okay, you know, so that they're, you know, five feet away from each other, but you just do a forced perspective and, you know, find a way. But um, if they're not comfortable, they can't act their way through that part because, you know, like I said, we make it as safe as we possibly can. It's not safe. Right. So um, this will be <laughs> fun. Are there like action movie or fight tropes that annoy you? Like I know some military guys get cranky about gun inaccuracies. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Um, well, the first thing is uh, not every weapon makes the shing sound when it's being pulled out of a, a scabbard. Mm -hmm. It's really just um, Civil War era cavalry sabers because they have a metal scabbard. Uh, and that's the only ones that do that. Um, big uh, broadswords are not heavy. They actually weigh about a pound more than most rapiers. Um, let's see. Um, there's, uh, yeah, I kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, big guys aren't always slow. Talking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they can have some speed and if they do that makes the fights more interesting yeah um, there's a guy i trained with that's about your size like he's six seven ish and yeah. i'll say over 250 i'm not positive but he was a division one wrestler and a taekwondo black belt and when i was training with him he was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and now i think he just got his black belt so it's mm. just like how do you fight that guy yeah well, you know, I mean, let let your, you know, your your good guy has to shine, but he's going to shine a whole lot brighter if your bad guys put up a fight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if they don't, it's sort of pointless. Um, and, you know, if you're going to do, you know, you know, kind of on that same note, like if you're going to have a good guy fight several people, don't do it one at a time. Mm-hmm find a way to, you know, mix it into the choreography, how he's able to survive it, you know, maybe he goes, you know, does like a, uh, a 300 goes into a narrow alley, so they can't surround him, you know, maybe uh, I actually just choreographed something for that a guy walks in between two SUVs. So only one person can kind of come at him. Uh, but in the Warriors, you know, they, they're fighting the baseball theories and they run and then one catches up and they take him out and they keep running. Yep. <laughs> it's like, and, and then I actually saw that, and they did that in Veroni Kenshin, where they explained yeah. that strategy too. Like, yeah. Um, like one for me that I I hate is just a person is dangling from a cliff or a helicopter by one arm, and they're holding on to somebody, and it's like, you know how hard it is to hang on with one arm, like yeah. the rock climbers. <laughs> yeah, that that one always kind of gets me. The um, uh, finding an emotional reason to do something that your body said you couldn't, uh, you know, like, Oh, uh, somebody's watching me, you know? Um, and now I have to like prove myself. So like, um, black Panther did this, uh, when he, in the first fight against, um, uh, Mbaku, 
Oh, yeah. Uh, when they're having the fight at the falls, mm -hmm. uh, he's losing. And then his sister's like, show them who you are. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot who I am. It's like, no, this is how good of a fight fighter you were before this. Uh, your sister doesn't change that. In fact, I mean, um, I actually used to ask my family not to come watch me fight because suddenly my fight my head was somewhere else and i would want to perform and you know kind of get the oh good boy you know uh from my family instead of like actually be focused on my fight yeah um you know so the fighter is as good as they are um emotional or not um you know i kind of touched on a little bit i don't like pauses in the fight mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah. One, one that bugs me, and I think it's more of a like a horror movie type thing, um, but it's like, I've got you, I throw you across the room, then I'm going to walk over there, pick you up, and throw you again. And it's like, come on. <laughs> or, uh, interestingly enough, the origin of that uh, comes from old Hollywood. Hmm. Um, it's called the, uh, the cowboy drop. And what, ha what happened was they would punch somebody and they go to the ground, but nobody wanted to reset the cameras. So you'd pick them back up and start fighting them again. Mm. And so uh, you wouldn't go to the ground. You wouldn't ground and pound them like you and I have been trained to do. It's like, well, you better get up on your feet so I can punch you some more. <laughs> and that was, uh, that's a, that's part of the language that we now have of a fight. Mm. Uh, another thing that I hate is um, secret moves. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, the uh, the crane kick kind of being a very good example of um, you know like if do right no can defend well it's like that's every move but um, you know in Daniel learning that move um, you know and kind of figuring it out, out on his own that was part of his learning process I have no problem with that but um, standing there and doing that you know part of the crane kick is actually getting into that position so that you can do it it's not i'm not just sitting here waiting for it it yeah. doesn't make any sense to do that if you're if you're doing this i'm a dumbass to walk straight into that yeah there's i don't know who it was some stand-up comedian talked about like luckily it's telegraphed by standing still and he just tore yeah. the whole thing apart like i don't remember who that was but it was, yeah um yeah another one was like the like well yeah, the other one I wrote down was like the bad guy is down or gets knocked out or whatever. Like they, you know, what, however it happens. And then they either just stand there instead of jumping on him or running away. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was I watching? Um, uh, Warrior. Guy just basically housed the dude, put him to the ground, and then just kind of turned around and started cheering. And then the dude got up and destroyed him. Yeah. Like, okay, you wait for the ref to call the fight. Right. So you're the winner or you keep on beating on them until, you know, they tap out or just go to sleep. Uh, you know, and I don't like um, that uh, kind of weird moment of mercy because it's, it's not even dramatic anymore because it's expected. You know, uh, yeah. Spartacus did that, too, with uh, the battle against the Ocles. Mm -hmm. Like they just how's this guy? They stabbed him twice in the gut, you know, and then like he just gets up. He's like, Kapua, shall I begin? And then just starts housing him. Like, okay, this is kind of stupid. Uh, for as brilliant as that show was, that was a really bad turn. Um, so when, 
when I when I watch since I've I've got the well the we've got the extensive martial arts background when you recognize something that's like not a real move uh are there like do you want to talk about like the the tricks of the trade for that like um well uh, how do you mean by not a real move um like either like if there's some kind of arm bar that's not a real arm bar or whatever oh yeah um actually that's a a uh, perfect example um when steven seagal first started doing uh his movies uh you know which was basically advertisement for aikido mm. which even you know old martial arts weirdos didn't like we saw aikido being advertised in the back of black belt magazine we had no real clue what it was because there's like five schools anywhere um but one of the things he'd do, he'd have a guy in an arm bar like this, and then like a quick camera change, and the guy would turn his arm this way, mm -hmm. and all you'd see is that arm bend again, but you thought that you right. saw it snapping. Um, and a lot of times that's really t um, a editing trick that the fight choreographer has come up with and worked with the director of photography, but the final editor didn't understand. Uh -huh. Um, I actually had a uh, thing and I saw it at the premiere after having discussed it with um, the the director, the producer and the DP. Uh, but I, I do this uh, move. I can lift most people up by their neck and oh, kind of yeah. choke them in the air. Yeah. And, it's, just, yeah. Yeah. and you kind of hook onto the, the person being choked actually okay. grabs their wrists. Yeah. And so like your weight is actually balanced on my forearms rather than, you know, my hands being in your neck and like you just, I put my hands here and the other person goes and it looks like I'm choking him. Um, well, I was in this um, kind of playing a carnival, you know, uh, carny mutant murderer uh, called Jack the Sack. I was just this big oaf with a gigantic wrench and a sack over my face like you do. <laughs> um, and the move was supposed to be I pick this guy up to my left and then throw him into the, the wall on the other side of this uh, bathroom. And I kind of tested the wall and it's particle board and it doesn't feel oh. really sturdy. Yeah. So I say, okay, the way I wanted to do this isn't going to be safe because I could possibly throw the guy through it. The dude weighed about 220. Um, and so I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to swing him to about here and then I'm going to set him down. And then we make a cut when I get here and from there, I basically, I'm going to do the lift again, but now I'm going to put him up against the wall. So you're just, basically, it's going to go here, cut, bam, his head pops against the wall. Everybody there understood it except the editor. So what really happens is me picking this guy up, bouncing him and putting him against the wall. And, you know, at the premiere, everyone's like, what was, why would you do that? And I'm like, that wasn't supposed to be there. And so I talked to the editor and he's like, well, nobody told me that like, you, know, you were there and we talked about this. Like I, I, I actually had it in the video, uh, but it was um, sometimes, you know, again, this is a language that uh, we use to try to communicate visually and it doesn't get communicated properly either by somebody listening or by somebody telling. And I think everybody kind of has to take their own responsibility for their miscommunications. And that one was mine. Right. But uh, we, we did get it edited for the film festival. Um, and now it's a lot more dramatic. And it's, I still got this nice long shot of me lifting a 220 pound man, holding him up against the wall of a 
a really crappy carnival bathroom yeah. uh, and choking the life out of them. Right. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about editing. Um, so a, a common thing people complain about with action movies nowadays, the fight scene is like, I think the people just call it like the, the born ultimatum style where it's like 80. Oh, the jerky cam. Yeah. Yeah. And shaky cam. What are your thoughts on that? I think that um, in certain ways it works. I think that it was brilliantly used in Snatch and in Gladiator to uh, communicate the visceral chaos of being in a fight, mm. um, but without the use of wide shots and without the use of uh, you know something steady, something either on a tripod or on a dolly, something that sees what's going on. Um, it really. Um, I did it just for fun once upon a time. Um, we did just a whole bunch of shaky cam moves and people are doing this and they're just doing the, you know, kind of, I don't know if this is going out video, but kind of waving their arms and you just kind of have people wave arms towards each other. You can put, uh, you can fully sound in and hear hits. And if the camera's shaking and it's like up too close, looks like it was a fight. You have no idea what just happened, you know, um, I think the worst example is uh, the first Transformers live action movie. Mm. Like they did a lot of shaky cam, a lot of slow-mo, but they also, you couldn't tell who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Right. Uh, and I think that was a big problem with the Bourne movies is everybody's in kind of black wool. Mm -hmm. So until you pull back and see, oh, you know, Matt Damon's on the right. I guess the guy on the left is the one that got stabbed. Uh, you know, you can't really um, see that much. And Fortunately, uh, the you know since John Wick uh, and Chad Stahelski bringing back um, you know kind of more of a Russell Mulcahy style of shooting and editing, um, we're starting to see these wide shots and starting to see um, people that know what they're doing doing the fight scenes. And that, here's what I'll say about Chad Stahelski: he is such a good fight choreographer and. Uh, filmmaker that he made judo interesting to watch and you and i have done it it's not really that much fun to watch mm -hmm. but they figured out a way to make it visceral and exciting so i'm glad to see that kind of thing but uh if the if the cameraman doesn't know how to do it and the editor doesn't know how to cut it no no matter how great the choreography is um i always point people to the um the three musketeers and four musketeers from 1972 uh, William Hobbs, one of the best fight choreographers there ever was, working with cameramen that didn't really know how to set up for the sword fights that he did. Mm. And, you know, working with early 1970s technology versus what he has now. Um, and this great choreography is lost because you don't get a sense of distance, urgency, timing. Uh, but that same guy also did the fight at the end of Rob Roy, which I will posit is the best sword fight ever put to screen. Uh, just beautifully done, mismatched weapons, incredible drama. Um, but it, it it really is, you have to be able to communicate as a team because you can have the best fighters and the best f fight co coordinator. But if you don't have the production team to film it or a fight coordinator to communicate, you know, because if, if I have a, a fight out there that looks bad, it's as much on me as it is on... Uh, the fighters and and on the the camera people mm -hmm. and the editor because somewhere in there the uh, communication got lost mm 
And guess what? I'm the guy that told them what to do. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of like, and this, this will be the last question, uh, but, and the, so there's with action movies, there's like cheesy action movies that people just kind of enjoy. And, uh, I kind of get annoyed when people say, oh, the plot doesn't matter. And I'm wondering, like, there are the really good emotional action, like the action movies that also have emotional depth, like, you know, Ninja 2. Um, and like, is that like a, a screenwriting issue? Is it the actors? Is it not what people want? And I guess I'm wondering, like, because I, I can definitely watch a movie with like, it's it's okay, but I enjoy the fights and I'll, I'll still have a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm wondering, your thoughts on like, is it people not wanting chocolate in their peanut butter? Or is it more like, it's hard to write emotional drama stuff and it's hard to do action. So it's harder to put them all together or it's like, there's not enough. There's a, lo there's a lot of work that goes into every part of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. um, even bad movies uh, are people sweating and working a whole hell of a lot. Um, you know, if, if you want to know how rough uh, filmmaking is, talk to a PA. Now, in terms of the totem pole of filmmaking, a PA is like the bottom of the food chain. They work their butts off to basically make sure, oh, he needs water, I'm going to get him water. Oh, we can't find a script, I'm going to go get script. Oh, we need thumbtacks. Um, and these guys will show up at five o'clock in the morning and leave at midnight at the earliest. Um, you know, when you get... Um, actors, you know, trained actors um, are very good at emotions and are very good at voice and are very good at posture. Um, and then you have to add in uh, fight, which, you know, just like there are different methods of acting, there are different methods of screen fighting. And so getting people to communicate that properly, you know, and like I said, one of the reasons why I started training with the SAFD is because I need to know how to communicate with other actors. Not a, not everybody who has my background in film fights will do something like that because they're like, I already know what I need to do. People just need to listen to me. Mm. And you know what? They're right, too. Uh, you know, it's not that I made the right decision. I just made the choice for myself. Um, but it's when it comes down to it, like if I want to make a movie that has a great fight, sometimes I'll just come up with a simple premise and put, put the fight in. Mm -hmm. If I want to make a great movie, you know, as a filmmaker and just kind of speaking, you know, in the hypothetical, uh, a great movie with great acting that also has a great fight. I need to get people with um, actors that are capable of great emotional performances that are physically capable of doing these fights um, and um, a choreography that'll work for him. And I think my favorite example of how that can go wrong is um, Christopher Lee in the um, Star Wars episode two and three. Because mm -hmm. uh, phenomenal. Probably my favorite Sith Lord, but he was too old to do any of the fights himself. And so in two you've really got just like a couple of close-up shots um, of him doing, waving his sword around. And then some long shots of what is very obviously a stunt double and quite often like just a CG um, image. And so you don't really get a sword fight in two that lives up to the Darth Maul duel uh, from one. 
or you know really the Luke and uh, Vader duel of five. Um, then you go into three, which I think the duel between Anakin and Dooku in three is probably the best fight of Star Wars until you get to Episode Eight. Um, you know, once once Anakin or once Obi Wan's out of the fight on the ship in the beginning, the fight between Anakin and Dooku is fantastic. It's quick and it's over and it's not as flashy as, as Darth Maul, but it's really good. But he, uh, Christopher Lee couldn't do that. They they wanted to use an actor that um, has some cultural pastiche, but other than Gravitas, didn't bring enough to the role. Um, and it didn't work. And I'm a huge Christopher Lee fan, you know, especially now. <laughs> but he wasn't the right choice for that. Uh, role and the fight choreographer um, Nick Gillard I really have, don't think that he should have gotten that role I think that there are a lot of better fight choreographers out there I think that uh, the good fights that he had were because other people were good not because he was mm. I mean Phantom Menace all day long that is all Ray Park and that is not Nick Gillard and they were holding uh, Liam Neeson back who has done some amazing sword fights on screen uh, you know, and very comfortable with it. I mean, Rob Roy, like I said, that's everyone listening, go watch that final fight and tell me that's not just breathtakingly perfect. Um, but uh, they just did not have the right coordination. They didn't have a guy that could go tell George what needed to be done. Uh, and they didn't have an actor that could do justice to the character that he was embodying. And it's unfortunate because he's an amazing actor and 20 years earlier, he would have been phenomenal. Like, and he was actually um, Rochefort in the Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers that I was talking about earlier. I'm rather circular on a lot of this stuff I found out. <laughs> so um, I think that's uh, a good place to wrap it up. Um, is there anything you want to plug like projects you're working on? Um, well, uh, I'll always say uh, support ZFest, support the Twin Cities Film Festival, so support um, the local film community. Uh, there's a lot of really talented people out here. Um, you know, there's uh, always something fun and interesting going on. And it, you don't have to go to Hollywood to find these great performances. Um, and a lot of times, you know, go spend 10 bucks at a movie theater or, you know, donate 10 bucks to a, uh, a film project and you'll see uh, talent uh, go further. Uh, I know a whole lot of uh, amazing actors that got their start doing weird little things like I'm doing now uh, that are going on and uh, doing some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, there's a local buddy of mine um, that I worked with on a film seven, eight years ago, who's now been in Mulan and The Mandalorian. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, his name's Pudovic Koi. Uh, look him up. He's absolutely insane. Love that dude. He's got way too many abs. But, but a uh, real cool cat. And, um, you know, this is, you know, I've always got something coming out and uh, I can never remember what's coming up next because I'm always on another project. But, um, you know, go out, enjoy, um, and go see a movie that you haven't heard of. Go, go to, uh, you know, once they open back up again, uh, go watch something weird, uh, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily go uh, – buy popcorn too um, and appreciate film for what it is because uh, there are a thousand stories out there that aren't just um, you know the Avengers and Star Wars and other rehashed stories there's um, unique little uh, 
bits of joy out there in the world. And there's a lot of people trying to tell you stories that uh, might get overlooked. Yeah. So um, it's very true, very good stuff. So, so thanks for being on the show and tune in. Yeah, for thanks the- for having me, bud. Yeah.